0: Okay. Hey, this is Bill Goodgen. I'm the founder of p Peak Baggers, and we like it on top. Um, I am hosting my inaugural episode of See You at the Top, and I'm here with the one and only Jason Hardrath, who I'm going to say is the uh, protagonist in a new documentary that was just launched yesterday called Journey to Infinity. Um, and also... I'm lucky to at least call him my friend. I don't know if he would say that same <laughs> thing, but, and if you're not going to, don't say that, uh, Jason <laughs> Well, you can him.
1: edit it. You can edit it and use AI to have it say whatever, whatever you want, I want. right? <laughs> Bill is great. He's my best friend. Was yeah, it me exactly. or was it the AI?
0: I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, Hey man, it's great to see you. Thank you. I know you've had kind of a crazy hectic couple of days here, plus just uh, texting back and forth with you you're a little bit under the weather so taking some time to hang out and talk with me I know you're doing it because we're friends um, and I'm asking a lot from you so thank you very much I appreciate you being here
1: I'm glad this works man I appreciate you taking the time and being interested in this story and watching the film Um, I'm really happy you found it meaningful yeah no I'm I'm excited to, to have a chat about it
0: yeah cool so um my wife, Danielle, and I watched it last night. Unfortunately, we couldn't watch it live. We were traveling and out of town, and we got home. And my wife would tell you, I, I even text you after we finished. She's she's like, she's she uh, doesn't spend a lot of time watching documentaries. So if can, a documentary can hold her attention, that's a great thing. And she loved it. She said it was amazing. She was really inspired by it and, I think, touched in a lot of ways. So so I'm excited Uh to talk about that that's mainly why we're here but i think it's kind of important to lead up to um you know the documentary itself talk a little bit about uh, you know how you got here in the first place i mean you went from you know a uh, what was a really life-altering tragic car accident you know seven eight years ago to now being the fkt crusher um you've got what 121 uh, FKTs out there. Yeah. 120 official yeah. FKTs. Um, so yeah. pretty amazing. So wh- why don't you, let's start there. I mean, that's a great place to start. So, I mean, or you can start before that, but certainly at the, the car accident, that was the pivotal moment and kind of sent you down this path, right? Yeah. If people,
1: if you want to dive deeper, uh, you can find other podcasts where, you know, they're about the journey to 100 FKTs or anything from before I'd reached the 100 FKT mark. Like I got, I talk a lot, I get, I, I talk a lot about the car accident and everything I did previous to the car accident that made me into the person that was able to walk through that traumatic event. I got, for those who don't know, I got ejected from a vehicle in a rollover accident, broke my shoulder in two places, broke nine ribs, collapsed a lung, completely shredded my ACL and LCL in my right knee and had to have them surgically replaced um, a bunch of internal contusions through and scar tissue through internal organs and in my, and my lungs. Um, so a lot of damage, um, uh, lucky. I mean, most people die on impact in a rollover ejection, um, but got super lucky, got a second chance to rebuild myself and remake myself. Um, and that led to a pivot cause I'd been very into running and triathlon, um, and you were previous
0: tri- cyclist, right? I mean, is that kind of where yeah, you yeah. started?
1: Cycling? Tri- triathlon cycling. I was, I'd, I'd started off as a runner. Running was my first love affair. Um, and then discovered cycling thereafter. And then the natural consequence of that is it's like, well, if I can run and bike, I guess I should add swimming in. Never got to love swimming, but uh, <laughs> but got to be a crusher on the bike. Uh, won, won a big stage race here or in Oregon called uh, the Baker City Cycling Classic. It's actually my hometown. Excuse me. Um, I'm the only person who grew up there to ever go back and win the race. Oh, wow. Um, so that's kind of a cool little small town yep. claim to fame. Um, so, yeah, loved loved the, the biking, the triathlon, the running. Um, and, yeah, the car accident kind of, you know, I'd qualified for a couple 70.3 world championships. And so kind of this just like keen awareness that it's like that chapter might be done. I might not ever be able to generate that kind of speed out of my body again. Yeah. The
0: doctors um, uh, told you, you, you weren't going to be able to run. Right.
1: Yeah. They said that you're going to let that part of your life go was the phrase he used when I brought up my love for moving my body and being physical and, and racing. He's like, oh yeah, you're going to let that part of your life go.
0: Yeah. That's really easy to hear. <laughs>
1: um, so clearly I listened to him. Um, <laughs> right. So yeah, uh, the journey back, I took up hiking cause you can walk up and down steep hills without full range of motion in your knee. You know, no doctor would recommend that, but that's what I did. Um, And took up rock climbing because I started to run into peaks that had technical summits. It's like, well, I guess I'm a rock climber now. So here I am hobbling around with a limp inside the climbing gym, um, building all these skills to be able to eventually become the person that, yeah, starts chasing down this road to 120 FKTs on technical and mountainous terrain. You know, a lot of the stuff I was enamored with when I was still in my 20s was like run plus free solo stuff, which has created a lot of controversy. Now, there's been a lot of pushback sure, yeah. um, against sort of uh, some people call it the the boulder mentality of, oh, yeah, it's just easy, moderate scrambling. And it's like not like for me, even when I used to road cycle, I always took it really seriously um, where it's like if I rode past an animal that was roadkill, I would like sit and think on it for a minute. Like, do I really love this this much? Because next car that comes around the corner, that could be me. And yeah. like I entered that with that level of like willing to sit with the tragic consequences when I make decisions to move in the mountains in a in an unprotected manner. Anytime that the consequences are high, I make sure I'm actually present with it, not just because well my friends are doing it, so nothing bad will happen. We'll just go. And then how 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 much regret is there in that moment if something tragic happens? And it was just your friends made you do it. Like who gets to try to sleep at night after that? So it's 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 an experience where I'm never going to be the person to tell somebody not to go, like if they feel drawn to that. But it's like it, it needs to be made from a serious space. And, and that was what I was super drawn to um, for those early FKTs. Lots of moving through technical terrain. Lots of running and soloing on rock terrain. And that built my skill set so that when a project like the Bulger's came across Washington's hundred tallest came across my radar. It's like, yeah, that's perfect. Um, but even before that, one of the biggest breakthrough pieces that actually ties into the, the film, although one of the biggest breakthrough FKTs I I had early in my sort of onslaught toward the hundred was doing the Rainier infinity loop. Um, just an insane, you know, it's a hundred and 140 miles. It's, uh, 47,000 feet of elevation gain.
0: Um, yeah. You know, for every, the, every, for everybody there knows Rainier. An, yeah. Yeah. For those who don't know what an infinity loop is, just 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 describe that for everybody so they understand. Like, what is this infinity loop that they keep talking about, and what what sets up apart from just summoning and running back down?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So Chad Kellogg thought this idea. You know, kind of a beloved, famed late American climber who per- passed away in Patagonia before he ever got to do it. He had talked with his friends about it though. Um, it's his idea, not not mine. Um, the, the basic premise is on any freestanding standalone mountain, which volcanoes fit that description most often, um, you climb up a route on one side of the mountain and climb down a route on basically an opposing side, you know, on Mount Rainier, this happens to be the DC and Emmons that are the most opposing and the most efficient routes. And then you complete a half circumnavigation coming around the mountain um, at the, at the height of the huts or the, the trailheads, which, you know, there's the wonderland on Mount Rainier that makes that really simple to know where, what level you're going to do that at. You're just going to run on the trail and then you go up and over the mountain again and come around the other side, um, which on Rainier again is the wonderland. So you end up doing this up and over a half circumnavigation up and over other half circumnavigation, drawing this giant figure eight or infinity loop, with the summit at the center. Um, And yeah, I had that that experience on Rainier and I just absolutely fell in love with it. Just like getting to climb over the mountain two different times of day, one of them totally not ideal. It was like middle of the day and stuff is like melting and sloppy and sloshy and falling apart and (laughs) having to like be really mentally keen and tuned in. And then the next time climbing it through the night, Um, Just two totally different experiences covering the exact same terrain. And then the experience of just seeing that mountain from every side and to have all of that packed into a two-day push was just surreal. Like even to this day, I sit and dwell and uncode memories and stories and things that happened just during that one FKT. Um, And so like after I finished it, I knew. I even talked on a podcast, uh, the Adventure Sport podcast back in 2019 after I'd done it they asked me like, what's next? And I was like, I want to go do this on bigger volcanoes overseas. Like I'd loved it that much that I like, I knew I wanted to go try it on bigger stuff overseas. And then COVID happened. So it all got put on the, the back burner cause you couldn't travel anywhere.
0: So that's where the seed was sort of planted. That's in-
1: where the seed was. Pl- I knew this was a part of the vision yep. way back in 2019. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then, you yeah, know, push came to shove and I had all this other stuff to go do and then the um, you know, Bulger's list became a thing that I was going to do. And finally COVID cleared up and I'm like, well, I'm not on, I'm not on this crazy push for hundred FKTs anymore. And we're able to travel internationally. I was like, it's time to pull this out of the notebook and Pico Pico de Arezaba is the tallest peak or tallest volcano in North America. And then I kind of put together like, wait, that makes it a part of the volcanic seven summits list, which maybe this is actually a bigger project than just, one of these it's like what if i go do the volcanic seven summits and establish the first infinity loop on each and it's like the most global expression that could ever happen with chad's idea really yeah. it's like the furthest anyone will ever take chad's idea would be it's on every continent um and i was like huh that would that's a cool aim that's a that's a worthy mission i'll i'll see if i can do that um so yeah there's a bigger mission here an ongoing mission
0: yeah, I think, it, you know, it's kind of interesting. Um, I remember hearing you talk about this, on uh, uh, maybe a podcast or maybe you just told me this before about how you'd actually, your first FKT that you sat, you didn't even know anything about FKTs and it wasn't something that you were pursuing. You were just trying to give it your all and, you know, prove to yourself that you could do this on Shasta and Shastina, right? And then yeah. suddenly you, you learn later about FKTs Um, and you find out you actually had set one like how does that work I I think a lot of you know people ask that question and I've heard people talk about this before how do you get officially recognized like what is the process for submitting um, evidence and supporting information to validate an FKT and, and the body that you know credits that how does that all work for you
1: so there are regional editors that kind of know their given areas um, that are part of the team for uh, FKT underneath Outside now. Outside owns FKT for those that don't know that it got bought. It got acquired. Uh, Buzz and Peter don't have anything to do with the original founders if people were tuned in enough to know that. Um, but yeah, the way it works, the way it's always worked, <laughs> excuse me, is you submit GPS data that's verification form number one. So wear a wrist-based GPS or use a GPS that tracks that you have in your pocket, depending on what your style is. Um, I use wrist-based. I use a Coros Vertex too, because it has some of the best battery life in the industry for a wrist-based uh, mountain watch the Plug for
0: Coros, there. little plug for Coros <laughs> there.
1: Um, I'm no longer on their team. I'm not sponsored by them. So they're not paying me to say that. Like I genuinely <laughs> just love the watch that much. Um, and yeah, so you, you submit that file. And then additionally, you would take photos at your start and photos of like any key summits that show you made the true summit, right? And anything, any photo you take on your phone now is completely geo-stamped. Like all the information of exact location, orientation uh, of the camera lens, all of it is stored within the photo when that file gets turned over. So they now have uh, who's in the picture, which is you with its exact location, and then you put that on top of the file that shows how fast you were moving and all that and the amount of time. Um, and then with bigger objectives, you also tend to do live tracking and check in with live satellite pings with like a Garmin or a spot tracker from the summits. Um, I, I Obviously, I'm very mountain oriented. You could totally do FKTs on trails too, but everything I do is in the mountains. Um, and so you basically establish, you can corroborate like, yeah, it was me that was wearing the watch it was me that went to all the summits. I went to the true summit. Um, You can basically, you want enough evidence that you can answer all the questions that people would want to ask later on. Like, well, did he go to the, you know, the whole big controversy with, uh, you know, Mesner right now. Right. It's like, I've always operated in a way that it's, I, I want my evidence to go above and beyond what's necessary. Like maybe they would just accept a GPS file. It's like, yeah, but what if somebody wants to argue that it wasn't me wearing my watch that day? Um, And so it's like, ah, then I'm always going to have a photo that it was me. I'm always going to have a video or a photo on the summit. That's like, you know, that's why I, you know, some people would follow, follow my Instagram. It's like, why so often is he just taking a summit selfie? It's like, the reason why is I want to have evidence that, yeah, no, it was me standing there with the phone in my hand. Yeah. Um, It's it's not just that
0: journey to 100 where you, you go out and hit all hundred of the boulders and, you know,
1: I took, I took video photo i did a spot satellite check-in and i had gps evidence for every one of those summits because that one was enough of a, a masterpiece work for me like i knew like this might be one of the greatest things i ever accomplish in this domain um i was like i want every piece to be duplicated and flawless
0: yeah got it got it yeah so um you know, Journey to 100, obviously, you know, we could talk about that for hours um, and there's a whole, um, you know, documentary about that. So I just encourage people and I'll put a link to that also um, down in the notes um, so people can check that out. That's where we actually became connected um, when you started the early planning of that. I remember you sent me a message and said, hey, I've got this idea, dot, dot, dot. And you're like, can you connect me to some folks that might be able to help me with that? And so that's where kind of our friendship started up. Um, so let, let's jump into it, man. Let's talk about Journey to Invent- Infinity. Like I said, well, it was great, man. I loved it. The cinematography was awesome. I mean, I said, like I told you earlier, I, I knew it was going to be inspirational because it was, you know, it's an infinity loop. You're setting something new or you're trying something new nobody has ever done on Pico. Um, but the crazy thing to me about it was like the, really the human element, there was kind of this tension between you and Nathan Longhurst. And this is not a new guy to you. Like you, you guys did 65 of the Bulgers together, close friends, very tight, been through some difficult, you know, times before. And suddenly you're kind of up against the wall here. Um, you know, and it, I mean, I don't want to give it away. So I'll let you kind of tell your, your yeah, let's
1: um, let's, let's just set the stage. I mean, one of the huge things with my, my limitations in this domain that I love so much is I happen to be in that narrow demographic where either, whether it's my genetics or the resultant scar tissue in my lungs from the car accident, I have a predisposition to have a strong, HAPE reaction, high altitude pulmonary edema reaction to if I mess up my acclimatization at all, like a little too aggressive or go for too long of a walk on day two, um, like I'll get HAPE and be coughing, uh, bloody fluid out of my lungs, uh, you know, within 72 hours. Yeah. And so people who so, don't know what that is,
0: it's high, high altitude, uh, pulmonary edema.
1: Yep. High altitude pulmonary edema, HAPE. Yeah. Um, yeah it's yeah basically swelling of your lungs it's they, they fill with fluid to the point that finally it ruptures and start, starts link leaking into your airways um not a fun experience doesn't feel great um you got to get down and it's there's, medically significant there's, there's, yeah there's, there's nothing no you can time. do yeah
0: you got to get down immediately that's your your fastest path so
1: ever. i'm this here i am i'm this person you know, 34 and i know i have this disposition and i already got evacuated back in december um from the mountain before cuz i was overly aggressive with my acclimatization went on. I thought I was being conservative too. Um, and I was day three up there just sitting at the hut and boom, get hate. And I'm I'm like, man, my, there's no way I'm going to recover. Even if I go down, got it to kind of go away over the next few days. The moment I come back up, like I might be able to make it to the summit a single time because it's a pretty quick single summit trip and then go down and be fine. And that's actually what I ended up doing. That trip was just tag the summit and then went home. Um, But there's no way I can trust myself to operate for 24 hours straight to complete an infinity loop solo um, when my lungs might fill with fluid to the point of being inoperable, which means you die. Um, So, yeah, it was like. I was battling with that recent sort of tension in my mind of knowing that I just had this happen. And I've given myself hate really bad in the past too. Back when I first flew overseas to try peaks, I just went up way too fast being in my twenties and young and dumb and aggressive and just like muscled through on fitness and then spent an entire, like the entire next night after summiting Chimborazo in Ecuador, just like coughing fluid up all night, unable to like stop or sleep. Um, so it's like, I've done this to myself really bad in the past, but I thought it was just cause I was an idiot. Um So in this film, what happens is, yeah, we take that first trip over and suddenly I'm starting to face the preclinical, great. Cause I've gotten to know this. I've had it happen enough and I like to pay enough attention to my own body that it's like, Ooh, heart rates elevated. It's about, it's about 10 beats per minute higher than it should be at my current effort level. And it's like, you know, when you train for stuff like this, you get to know yourself that well, where you're like, Ooh, jogging downhill at this elevation at uh you know 11 minutes per mile pace i should have a heart rate in the 120s and it's 135 this is this this isn't quite right and then like take a deep breath in and a deep breath out and like feel that pressure and tension it's like shoot like it's not it's not significant yet but it's on the way and i start to have this sensation as we're coming down um to the south side hut and i kind of let nathan know it's like dude i'm super anxious like we've got the whole long side um, I need to be conservative with the pacing. Cause one of the things that can make it worse is like, if we push really hard and I go anaerobic, like it could just complicate the whole problem, make it go faster because right. of the added inflammation, added, uh, stress to the system. Um, so I'm like, dude, I need to pace this really conservatively. And, you know, he's 23 at the top of his game right now an absolute (laughs) crusher he climbs 513 he runs ultra marathons he can ski just about anything you've ever seen anyone in your life ski like just an absolute crusher in every domain and he's just super fit and super ready and super acclimatized showing up to this thing and here i am just kind of like struggling along like old man hardrath or something (laughs) and it just starts to like build this tension because it's his first experience ever. You know, I've done some other high altitude stuff. I've tested myself in that regard. Um, But this is his first like test with himself. And he's this like young driven 23 year old that definitely wants to find his way to like make his mark. Um, And so this tension starts to unfold as those like differing motivations start to run into conflict with each other to, to the point that it comes to the edges of pulling the team apart. And you get to watch this unfold over yeah. the course of the film, and see. Well, I'll just leave it open ended. Like, see what that's ends the way, up. That's the way you got. It, what ends man. up happening? Yeah, you know, like that. That's what the film is really about. Like, yeah, we did an infinity loop on a mountain, but two human beings had to wrestle with what makes them who they are and where they're at in life and their specific strengths and weaknesses in a given moment. Um, yeah,
0: especially when you're both. Yeah, your style and approach to FKTs is so different. I mean, there's so much that you guys com- obviously complement each other very well on, but you, your approach is a lot different. Um, so, Jason, we got just a couple of minutes left, so I, I, I know not to ask you what's next because you'll say what's not next. Um, you got <laughs> a lot of things going on. Like, where can people follow you? Like, where, where's the best play? You mentioned Instagram, so. You're obviously, uh, you know, keeping people updated there. Where else can we follow you and find out what you're up to?
1: Yeah, the primary is Instagram. Um, you can send me a good old fashioned email. If you happen to be listening to this, you can find my email through the contact on my website, Jason um, People can find me on Facebook as well. I don't use Facebook. I guess I have a TikTok. I'm never on there. I guess I have no, I think, a, I think a Twitter. I think it's called uh, X now.
0: I think I'm your conduit to Facebook. Do you send me a message and then I I post something for
1: you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't go on Facebook very often. Um but yeah, mainly Instagram's a great way to reach out or email is a great way to reach out uh for people that are old school with how they like to contact people. Um yeah, definitely go check out the film. Uh we'll make sure there's a link in the description for that. I'll make sure that you get that bill. Um Yeah, no, I think I think the human partnership element how to how to solve those difficult moments is probably the most shining shining part of what this film has to offer the the mountain community the running community um humanity in general if it, if i can make such a bold claim
0: is just it's that a be- it's a beautiful video i mean kevin did a great job
1: kevin did an amazing job definitely go uh yeah. like follow subscribe his channel um hopefully he's able to get his foot in the door with more projects like this cuz he did he did basically a lot of people don't know this, but he, he he did basically the job of like what would have been six different people's roles in launching a film like this. And he solo like did all of them like fifteen hundred hours worth of wow. worth of effort. Yeah. Um. So please, if nothing else, go, go, you know, go follow him and give him some love and support in the comments on the video. Because, yeah, when you think of one human being pulling that whole story together from the thousands of hours of footage that we had. Um, it's pretty incredible.
0: Yeah. So uh, Jason, thanks a lot, man, for jumping on here. Um, We appreciate it. Our inaugural episode is probably going to be the best one we'll have. So we started (laughs) off with the best. (laughs) So, um, Hey, if uh, this is your first time, uh, visiting our YouTube channel, make sure that you subscribe and hit the notification bell up there in the corner so that you can uh, get updated as we load any new videos and, uh, we'll see you at the top.